What is venture capital? You hear about it these days when the next big startup fundraises a round of money on the news. You hear terms like unicorn, seed, series A, series B, and perhaps even IPO. But what does this all mean? What is VC? And why is it important in building successful companies like Amazon, Google, and Facebook? Well, today, my guest is Simon Olson. He's an early stage VC, but also the founder and general partner of XY Ventures, a Swedish-based VC firm that he founded from the ground up to invest in early-stage startups with ties to Silicon Valley. In this episode, you'll get to learn about his journey of getting into VC, his secrets, how he raised his own VC fund completely from scratch, and his lessons and tips for anyone interested bringing into venture capital themselves. And plus, how founders on the other side of the table can make a lasting impression and get their company funded by VCs as well. We also talk about the tech ecosystem across Sweden and how it's become the Silicon Valley of Europe and how other countries could learn from their technology policies to disrupt and influence innovation as well. And finally, if we really enjoy these conversations with these great folks, uh, please like, subscribe, and share these episodes. It really does help grow the channel and community as well. All right, so with that, let's do it. And I hope you enjoy my chat with Simon Olson. Simon, thanks for uh, joining one of the, uh, the episodes and thanks for coming along. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to join. Oh man, I think uh, you know. As I, I think we spoke about this uh, just before we started recording, I, I definitely wanted to get you on at some point just because of your extensive VC experience and also tech experience across both the US and in Sweden. And I think uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people out there who's going to value what you have to say and especially your experience. And I know that you've given talks here and there, but. Uh, you know, I definitely have a bunch of questions I want to ask you uh, about your experience, but you know, everything will go from like venture capital, and we'll just go across the entire spectrum all the way to like tech and Sweden and and all that stuff. But let's get started with venture capital because I think venture capital is becoming more important these days. And I think when people look at the news, they look at all the companies raising money. Um, I think they are interested. A lot of my friends are interested who are not in VC. They want to know uh, what is actually like, you know, what is venture capital all about? Why is it like super important? So maybe do you want to just give a, a quick spiel or a quick intro about what is the fundamentals and the basics of venture capital? And I guess we can go from there. Sure. Um, well, from my perspective, I think venture capital serves as um well, as a great function for for bringing along new novel ideas, essentially make, making them a reality. Uh, and uh, if you are an entrepreneur and you're starting out as a company, it's, it's rather hard to to get uh, get some money to do investment projects overall, right? Because banks aren't that inclined to taking risks. And uh, well, you probably don't want to mortgage your house uh, a thousand times to to even get started. And so that's sort of the space where venture capital is, is a, uh, works for, for a lot of the founders. Um, now, to sort of um, push that 
thinking a little bit further, uh, what's been going on for the past, well, actually the past 30 years uh, is that more and more, more entrepreneurs are considering venture capital as it has been or become a synonym with extensive growth and hyper growth. Uh, and uh, so, so naturally you see that basically uh, a part of all the large companies that has grown out of both Sweden and also in Bay Area and across the globe, um, having that connection to venture capital has sort of well, made people realize that this is something interesting. This is something um, different in, in the way that, that finance usually works. Uh, so I, that's my, I guess, two cents <laughs> on venture capital. It's become, it's a very dynamic and interesting space to be in because it, in the end, it's all about managing risks and, and making sure that, that uh, you don't do too crazy stuff, but <laughs> I, okay, so, <laughs> probably not the right person to say that either because I do a lot of crazy stuff. No, no, I mean, I definitely... <laughs> but, I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, I think there will be a lot of other people out there who say that venture capital is getting out of control um, because there's incredible, like, you know, these huge valuations. There's all this money getting um, pouring into these early stage companies. But then, you know, people are like, well, where was my return? Like, why is it taking so long and some people even value, uh, you know, perceive it as, as somewhat risky. So what's your argument to that? Do you agree with them? Do you disagree? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I agree. It's, it's risky. Uh, and uh, like if, you, if you were to only purchase one, one company, uh, one growth company that, that is um, a, a private company, uh, we're not talking about the stock exchange because that's a whole other issue, but uh, valuations and... and uh, um, in company uh, company returns well way in the past they were more or less very intimately connected uh, right now it's it, it, there's a rather big discrepancy between valuation and the real sort of fundamental valuation of a company or value of a company and, and that has only been growing i guess for 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 quite a while now uh, and it has to do with how you value underlying asset so in venture capital, you you value a lot of the underlying asset in a company based on potential growth in the future, right? And then you discount it back to today's value. Uh, problem is that that you don't know what will happen in the future. You don't know what, what your competitor competitor will be like, or uh, if you manage to take the shares of a market that you say you will. Uh, and, and so naturally, there's a lot of risk there. Um, and so, yes, it's risky. Yes, the valuations are going up, which means that there is an inflated value in, in venture capital overall. Um, and nobody really wants to get, get off the train at this point because it's growing so fast. Uh, so, so there is a little bit of an inflation going on uh, in terms of valuation and also in terms of, of the underlying asset value of, of the things companies that we invest in. Um, the the way that I would argue against that and still making people understand that this is an interesting space uh, and something that you can invest in as a private person is that there are different tools for managing risks. Uh, and the way that we do it in venture capital is by diversifying quite heavily, but also looking at what kind of market trends are going on 
how we can leverage them to our advantage. Uh, for instance, I am I am a strong proponent for analytics and big data. So a lot of the investments I do has sort of that profile. And I specifically look for niches where I know that there's a, a high degree of, of digitalization going on. So for instance, manufacturing. Um, and I tend to pick very specific niches where I can help the company grow uh, by just connecting them to my network, making sure that the discrepancy between their valuation and their underlying asset value isn't as big uh, as it would be if I just, you know, went a little bit more cowboy on <laughs> trying to, to find deals. Uh, so, so there are tools of, of uh, mitigating risks. And I think that if you are doing that correctly and doing it well, uh, it's a fantastic asset class overall to be in. Uh, it's super dynamic, so many things going on. You meet so many great people uh, and you get to be a part of building up the next generation of technology for the matter of other business areas that, that you might be interested in. Um, so uh, I think that uh, besides the fact that historically you can make great returns on investing in high risk uh, cases, um, I think that that uh, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, you are, you know, venture capital is one of those asset classes that are not necessarily accessible by everyone. Uh, you know, I think we need to state that venture capital is private market investing, not public. And, you know, private markets don't have all the data out there, as you know, as you would see for Tesla or any other uh, large, uh, you know, stock listed companies. So there is a bit of inherent risk there, but at the same time, you know, I feel like there is a lot of people coming into the space now who have the capital to really pursue, uh, you know, venture capital investing. And, you know, what are your thoughts about sort of angel investors and how even, you know, everyone from your mom and your dad to your, you know, to your corner, your your corner shop uh, guy is willing to put money in uh, to these startups, what is that a good thing that you know uh, venture capital is open to everyone nowadays who at least have some sort of capital to uh, to invest? Well, I think I think it's I think it's two sided. From my perspective, I I really like the fact that more people are getting into venture capital because uh, it it in the end helps a lot of, of business owners and founders to take the next step and pursuing uh, their business ideas, and that means that there are more uh, more openings for novel ideas to emerge. Uh, so, so from that perspective, I think it's great. From a compliance and more regulatory perspective, means that we have some issues up here in, in the Nordics as well as as, as in the U U.S. by uh, people not really understanding the risk uh, of investing into these asset classes. Uh, it's more or less practices that you that you convert your parents. <laughs> if you're a found, founder uh, at some point. And uh, it's important to to know how to manage your money uh, so that you don't put in everything that you got into your company or into your VC fund. Uh, fund. Um, I'd say that it's uh, th th that's sort of the downside of, of doing venture capital because it, be it becomes, you get caught up in the moment and then you just invest a lot of money. Uh, and, and if you don't keep track, what you're doing and uh, having a systematic way of of, uh, of investing, it can be 
well, it, it brings certain risks. Um, so there are a couple of ways you can think about venture capital um, and angel investors. Uh, I know for a fact that Jason Kalkanis and, and some other people, they they premier the, the more or less the gambling mindset to venture cap and to angel investing, uh, which is essentially that you're buying a lottery ticket. And you can, it's not just a lottery ticket because you can more or less pick at least probably the top 20% by just being having proxies, right? You can, you can pick a geographic proxy. You can pick a, a niche and a vertical just as I did with, with, uh, with analytics and data and the manufacturing. Uh, and by that, you can segment out a lot of the companies that aren't relevant to you, that you don't believe in or will, will not succeed. Uh, so, so it's much more than just buying a lottery ticket, uh, but rather uh, a way to sort of understanding the dynamics and, and, and what makes a good company. Uh, but overall, I think that if you have a mindset where you're, in, where you're aware of the risks and also why you do certain decisions, um, venture capital is wonderful. And I think that making it available to more people uh, is a wonderful idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree there. And I know that, you know, look, there's always companies that are going to come through the works. There are always companies that are going to look for funding. And, you know, it's up to you whether you want to give in your money. But I think, you know, you, whether you give your money to them is completely up to you. But I would definitely hope that there would be more education to everyone that's involved. And I think that's where I see it going. Um you know, there needs to be a bit more financial due diligence um, for everyone, not just VCs, but everyone who's thinking about putting their own money and their own skin in the game. And they just need to be wise and be educated, uh, just like they are when they're investing in um, in the stock market, you know, the public stock market. So, so with that, you know, that is, you know, definitely a part of venture capital that I definitely admire quite a bit. And I think venture capital is really changing especially with crowdsourced uh csf crowdsourced crowdsourced investing uh, or crowdsourced funding and um i think that's really fascinating uh to to see how this industry is sort of transforming um every every day but you know just sort of moving on to where you are now i definitely want to understand about how you got into vc yourself and maybe just give a quick background about what you've done in the past, how did you get into investing, and and then I think that will provide a lot, a bit, a big picture about, um, you know, the the later stories about uh, X Y ventures and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so so I I got into VC um, by accident, uh, and I guess most people do. Uh, I have an operating background, so so I. I am actually an engineer by trade, so I am an energy engineer and had my first company up in Boston um, seven years ago, something like that. And uh, I was a part of, of an accelerator program at MIT with my company. And from there, I started working with uh, Mass Challenge, and then I started working with some other accelerator programs um, in, in across the United States. Uh, and from there, I got to see a lot of different companies with different kinds of problem, but at the same time, they're rather similar in, in, in what phases they're in and what kind, kind of help they need in, in certain phases. So, so I've been a startup advisor since then, uh, helping companies to excel and, and grow. And 
basically, you know, being a a uh, a decision support for for uh, for founders. Uh, and it, it sounds advanced sometimes, but but it's really not. It, it's more or less listening in and trying to understand what people need uh, at certain times, and then helping them uh, get that. Um, and so, so from there, I've worked with with uh, a version of venture capital, which is called corporate venture capital or innovation funneling, uh, for a big IT company in 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 the Nordics, um, where I got the opportunity to more or less combine my interest for uh, startups uh, with real venture money from 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 a bigger uh, corporation standpoint. Um, so. What I did there was basically work with with uh, well finding the right kind of external companies to bring into our portfolios, and then also making sure that we had entrepreneurs that could build their own products and get some money and get going um, and build a portfolio. Uh, so uh, that's sort of what what I've been working on uh, and my background, um, and so so. I reached out to to uh, uh, because I you know I, I work a little bit with him um, because I'm a mentor at, at Founders and have been up for a while. Uh, and he said he was up to this new program. Uh, and I have all all this time I've been working with companies. I've also been, well I've done some angel investments. I've done something like twenty five plus angel investments uh, over the years, and had this idea that I would like to. I like to do more for the companies. I mean, my ticket size is when I'm an angel is, is rather small, right? So my impact is limited. Uh, so uh, I had an idea that I wanted to go in the direction where I could make more impact. And so I thought more money, more impact. Um, and um, so I reached out to Audio and he said he was, he was uh, about to start a, a new venture program or a venture building program uh, called BC Lab. Uh, and... Um, asked me if I wanted to join. <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, sure, that it'll, it'll be fun. I have no idea how to actually do venture capital uh, or the, the, the notion that I had in my head of being more or less a private banking or, or banking sort of prospecting of, of venture capital. Uh, but as it turns out, it, it's much more common to have an operating background and then move into venture capital. Um, so, uh, Started doing my, my fundraising and putting together a fund uh, last year. And uh, by now we have separated, uh, we have actually two funds. We have, we're, we're fundraising for, for a large, larger part of, of what's called XY. And then we have a smaller concept uh, that, that's called Greens, which is also part of the same kind of structure uh, where we invest in seed founders. Um, and, and we do it as early as we can. Uh, and as early as we can motivate it. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that's the story behind my background and how. It, yeah, I uh, think I think that's really interesting. Um, I you know, have I nothing to do with anything, basically. <laughs> I definitely I think that's really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of, comp well, there's a lot of funds now that are raising money um, from both the founder side and the VC side. Uh, there's a lot of emerging fund managers. Uh, that want to get out there to make an impact, whether it be ge geogra geographically, uh, it could be on a specific sector, it could be on diversity, women. Um, so 
I think that's great. I think we need more of that. And it's really good to hear that there are a lot of people out there trying to sort of pursue this road. But at the same time, raising the fund is always hard. You know, like it's, it's you know, crazy hard. It's not impossible, but it's just, it's difficult and it's challenging. And there's, there's always, I think there's a saying that if, you know, um, you know, raising a, a, a company fund, a raising a fund for a company is, you know, hard, then, you know, raising a fund for a VC fund is 10 times harder. Uh, so I think there is a lot to say about yourself trying to do uh, that very thing. And it's really good to know that you had a lot of support behind you. But I think I want to sort of tap, uh, you know, just go to go a bit deeper uh, in terms of the raising fund uh, aspect of it, because I think a lot of people will seek value out of that from the audience. And I think, you know, raising a fund is, one, it's hard. And I think a lot of people know that. But two, um, how does it, what does it actually involve? Um, maybe walk me through uh, a recipe or anything that you have on your side to say, okay, if I want to start, a, I have an idea, I want to start a fund. And then what do I have to do to get to a point when then, then I can start investing in companies? How do I do that? Mm -hmm. um, it, it is a complex question. And um, the short answer to the question is it takes a lot of time and a lot of hit, hit and miss meetings. Uh, but that doesn't really answer the question of, of in, in depth uh, what is required. I guess that for the most part, it's a combination of having a, a, a good approach, knowing what you want to invest in and knowing that that we're being comfortable in the idea that that will provide us with sufficient returns. Uh, and at the same time, showing that uh, your background and experience and track record weighs into the equation of whether or not we'll be able to close the fund. Uh, so, for instance, for me, I've I've highlighted that I've been doing a lot of angel uh, angel investments. I have a solid sort of track record of deal flow coming through me um, that that other people might not get access to, and also that that I have a support system that can help me pick the right deals at the right time, uh, because that that's sort of the end game. Uh, right? I I want to outcompete other funds. Uh, because otherwise I won't get any investments at all. So it's, it's, uh, um, it's a little bit of a st statistical sort of game that you need to do uh, in order to figure out how you should differentiate yourself and how that relates to better returns. Um, that, that's, like, that's one thing. The other thing that, that we also are trying to do is to make our fund unique. Uh, we want to tie into the community uh, we want to make sure that people who invest in our fund feels like this is an experience. This is something interesting. Uh, I like the community. I like the people in the community. Those things. Um, so, so what what I am trying to achieve is, is basically building a brighter future with the help of advanced analytics and technology, right? Because I believe that 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 is true. That that's at the center of our, our thesis. Um, but to get to that thesis, I had to go through through uh, many iterations to to just you know realize that I I don't want to do uh, business to consumer stuff. I, I really want to focus on business to business stuff. I don't want to do retail uh, things overall or go into the retail direction, uh, but rather do uh, 
more or less deep tech. Uh, and it's a personal preference. And then you need to just make sure that you have all the arguments uh, aligned and and ready to to be used when investors come out knocking at the door and asking you why they should pick me and, and not, well, the other guy or girl. Uh, so it's, it's uh, it, it really is uh, uh, trying to fit everything together uh, in a neat package. And uh, I don't have the master recipe for that. <laughs> I mean, we, we have, uh, we're still fundraising for, for one of the funds uh, and it takes a lot of time and our niche is not for everyone. Uh, so, well, it, it, it's a lot of hit and, hit and miss meetings. Um, but if you're considering raising a fund, one advice that I'd give is to really think about why, why you want to do it, because it, it takes a long time to get your money back in this game. Like our timeline is 10 plus three years. <laughs> so hopefully I get my money back in 13 years. <laughs> that's a, that's a long bet. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a long bet. And I think, uh, people don't understand. I mean, I'm sure LPs have un understand the timeline, but it's still a long time. You know, it's very hard to come to grips with, to know that your money is, is going to be sitting there in a vault, um, well, deployed, but you know, involved in the sense that you can't really get access to it. Uh, there's no liquidity there, and you know, at, and you just have to uh, be hopeful that you're going to get an incredible return uh, by the time that uh, those ten years or plus three years elapses. But at the same time, you know, raising money, speaking to LPs, you know, it is much like raising a company. Like you are building a company, you are, you know, you have a product. And in this case, if you're a VC, the product is you. So you really have to sell yourself as a fund, as a GP, um, and the value add that you can uh, provide. But just tell me, talk to me a little bit about that value add because if you have a VC fund X and then VC fund Y, uh, and then one is having sort of like you know, um, one has the same amount of money, one has the same amount of, you know, background and pedigree, you know, they've gone to, done really cool things, uh, really good, they've done, become operators in the past. So when it comes to value add, you know, what are some options of providing value add to certain companies and how does that differentiate you from all the other VC funds out there? That's a really good question. Um, and it really depends on which stage you're in. So I should clarify one thing. We, we are a seed firm and we do, uh, we do early, early seed, almost on the verge of being angel investments up to uh, a more well, American-sized seed round. round. Uh, so we don't really compete with, with the bigger players such as Tiger or Sequoia or Greylock um, uh, at scale, like not a chance because it's, I mean, they're valued value add is huge they have their pedigree they have uh, a lot of people that can help them they know the network and all that so, so so we're targeting a much smaller niche much earlier as well uh and, and at that time uh what we try to provide founders with is a couple of things one it's structure and prioritization of what to do next the second is is uh just network overall to make sure that we can if we enter into this deal, 
uh, and into this company, we can accelerate it. Uh, and that basically means for a lot of the times that we have a short list of, of potential clients or customers that, that we can uh, start bringing into this company so that we, we see that we get, uh, uh, well, build the underlying value in the business, uh, increasing sales, basically. All right. So, so that, that's a strong value that we are trying to, to push for. Uh, and, and, but that's not unique in itself. So that brings me to, to the third fact, which is basically the, uh, and, and so we, we've put together a team of people that we know are good people. Uh, and, and we're not like, you might think that some venture capitalists are rather greedy and focus on the numbers because it is a number game, numbers game after all. And most of your investment die within four years. Um, but what, what we are trying to do is put together a team of great people, uh, that believes in our cause, which is building a, a better future, right. And using technology to do so and not really focus on, on the financial side of things that much, but rather making sure that we, uh, when we do deals, we honor them. Uh, we, we want to have a good reputation in this business. Uh, and, and so that's more or less our, our secret sauce. Uh, then it also happens that a lot of our team members that, that we work with have great connect, connections all across the globe. And it sort of ties, you know. Yeah, it's it, definitely. It yeah, I, the dots. <laughs> I agree in the sense that it's definitely um, a community driven uh, business and it's very dependent on knowing the people, knowing the right people, and getting you through getting those companies through the front door so that they can um, have those valuable introductions, uh, those partnerships that VCs can help with. Because I think as an angel investor, you might have some, you know, some deep relationships with people, but if you're a proper VC and you have a proper community behind you, I feel like that's where, that's why, I, if we go back to the sort of initial question I asked you, that's why venture capital is so important. It's not just people pummeling their money into companies. Okay, here's his money and go ahead and grow. But it's like, here's money, but also here's how I can help. Here's how, how I can really push you and uh, get you to scale or expand. And I feel like that's a, a real uh, an attribute of venture capital that I think uh, I, I really admire as well. But at the same time, you know, as we sort of go back to the raising of the fund, you already mentioned that there's a lot of challenges there as well, right? And but if you were to sort of summarize some of those challenges, you know, how would you, what what was what would be the biggest challenge that you've had so far in raising a fund? And and if it was a significant challenge, how did you sort of overcome that? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest challenge for me so far uh, has been finding the right kind of balance between iterating forward and iterating the concept uh, while trying to stay true to the initial sort of cause of this. Because you meet a lot of people, a lot of investors that wants to change your, your investment direction. And it, it might even not be much, like it, it might be a couple of percent. Uh, the problem is when you do a lot of iterations, you end up, in the completely opposite direction in the end, right? Uh, so, so that that has been a big challenge to to really sort of double down on the fact that I think that that 
uh, analytics, big data, with this geographical proxies, with this industry proxies, and also this, the, the stage that we are in, uh, go for and keeping true to our mission, developing companies in that, that area. Um, so so uh, I've been approached by, by several LPs that wants to invest, but on the premise that we can do a little bit of other stuff as well. And, and that, that is, that is a bit, big issue for me, right? Because I don't want, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> uh, that 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 is a, a problem. Um, and then, like, I mean, there are there are operational problems overall finding the right kind of jurisdiction, right? And, and making sure that you're compliant and having uh, set up the right kind of of, of uh, well, basically the KLM process, um, KYC process, and AML processes, and all that. But, but that's more on the operational side, and it takes a lot of, of brain power just to go through all of the documentation, making sure that everything is in place. Um, so I'm getting at the operational issues are <laughs> has more of a timeline uh, underlying issue. I mean, I spend a lot of, of, of my time in meetings, uh, and at the same time, I'm trying to do all of these different things to put pull together my fund from a legal perspective, and, and you know. Eventually, you just run out of hours in a day. So <laughs> um, that means that I need to push it onto the future or tomorrow. And that means that my timeline gets a little bit longer than I initially thought. And, but, you know, it takes time. How, how would you, um, you know, when it comes to sort of LPs, limited partners, you mentioned that earlier. You know, I think it's important to stress that you know, the venture capital model is where you're using other people's money to basically invest. And this is important because uh, you basically have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that that money is invested wisely. It There are a lot of policies and regulations around reporting uh, back to the limited partners. So you're effectively a fund manager at this point when you're a VC because you are using other people's money. But I want to sort of go back to you know the the influence that LPs can have, uh, especially if they put in a large wad of cash into the fund, which is a good and it's not a it's it's a it's a good problem to have. But you know how do you sort of navigate those waters, especially if you don't want to change the direction, uh, or if you feel like the direction that the LP is pushing you is. Um, and I guess it's anti to what you believe. Um, how do you sort of make sure that you are on, you don't burn any bridges with those LPs? Mm -hmm. um, also a good question. Um, what I try to do is to make sure that, that I am closely connected to uh, my specific niche and my specific network. Because if I am that, I, I also understand, like at least intuitively, that that this is where I belong and this is what I want to do, and making sure that I bring it up in all the conversations when I, I talk to LPs, uh, even if they want to invest a lot of money, uh, that in order for for us to do these kinds of returns that I propose and the things that I I, I see is possible from a fund perspective. We need to go in this direction because it 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 is solely dependent on my secret sauce or, or 
or my, my value add uh, as a fund manager and also for my team, um, which is closely related to, to, to the network and, and to the specific niche. So if we start to do other things, I won't be as effective in those niches uh, as I am here. So, so, so really it, it is a conversation or more or less a, a, a discussion and negotiation to, to make our LPs understand that um, we are strong where we are strong. And once we go outside of our core competencies, uh, we won't be as effective and, and by a, as a result, we won't make as much money. Um, so, so really it, it usually that helps people uh, either convert <laughs> into pay uh, to, to uh, well, having the right kind of mindset and becoming a, a, a good LP or otherwise just, you know, saying that there's plenty of other funds. I mean, there, there, you, you know, I can call up 50 funds <laughs> tomorrow that have the pro profile that you're looking for that, that has a great track record, all of these great pedigrees and uh, networks and all that. Pick one of those instead, uh, because it, it really um, it's about doing making a difference in the end and, and doing good things. Uh, and um, I, that's why I, I I think that the VC Lab network that you are a part of and I am a part of as well is, is a good good sort of first step on that, making VC more accessible to everyone and, and um, helping out where we can. Um, yep. Another yep. part of that as well, just relating back to your first question and on, on uh, uh, the whole micro trend kind of thing that mo more people are getting into VC. Um, I think that's a great thing for, for another reason as well. And that's because I don't have all the money in the world. And I can't, you know, if we do a seed round, I can't lead a seed round because, well, our average ticket is like, what, $250,000. Uh, our largest ticket is, is something like a million dollars that won't get you a lead position in a seed or an A round. <laughs> That's just too small amount of sum. So um, by then, it, you know, you, you're very, or at least I am very appreciative of, of having the network that I can call other fund managers that might be interested in this deal. Same goes for LPs, right? So if, if I can't uh, supply an LP with a sufficient uh, thesis or idea of how we should invest, then someone else might can. So, so, um, yeah, I think that's a, a that's a good point. And as I, as I said before, you know, community is number one and making sure that you have people that you can rely on. And especially if your network is as strong as yours to make sure that you guys can, uh, you know, always, you know, work together because I don't think VCs are sort of competing with each other at the end of the day. I hope they're sort of working together to, to get, you know, obviously some percentage of some stake, but at the same time, make sure that they can uh, push the business in the right direction. And, you know, I know that we've been on this fund topic for a while because I think it's super interesting, but just one last tip for emerging fund managers. If you are an emerging fund manager out there, um, you know, one of the biggest things that you'll have to do is raise money with LPs. And reaching, to L, reaching out to LPs is not the most fun thing to do in the world, but it's necessary. And finding the right LPs is also quite tough. So what would be your advice to sort of um, give to people out there who want to start their own VC fund, but also need tips on how to reach out to people, uh, whether it be warm connections or cold connections? 
um, what's your sort of best methodology of uh, reaching out to potential LPs? Mm -hmm. So the one, one, one advice that I got early on was to leverage connectors and other people that are in the venture space that might be connected to family offices, high net worth individuals, or even institutional investors uh, to really get those kind of warm introductions. The problem is that you, you won't find these connectors from the get-go, right? You might have one, maybe two in your network when you start out, uh, unless you, you have done this for quite a while. Uh, and, and so that means that you need to sort of get into that network. And the way to do that is to, to, to uh, really, well, if, if, let's say you're setting up a fund in, in Sweden, uh, as an example. Uh, you need to take part of, of the local uh, the, the local network uh, of, of VCs here. Try to understand where, where their LPs are coming from. See if, if there are any common threads. Uh, see if there are people there that, that you can meet with. Just, you know, throwing some ideas at them, see how they respond. Uh, and if there is a space for, for a fund like, like yours. Um, so so I, I started out just talking to a lot of people, see if this is a good idea, what I should think about, and talking to people that has either done it or are planning to do it, or, or just, you know, have made a lot of money from, from a large exit from a startup or something. Uh, really just trying to map out the, the entire network of people. Um, that, that I say is, is the best sort of first step. And, and I'm a strong proponent of doing things rather than, you know, mapping it out uh, on my own. So I, I picked up the phone, started calling people, asking them, uh, you know, I'm trying to get into the space. What, what should I think about? Who should I meet with? Um, and, and then by, by the time I had a sufficient sort of thesis, I started practicing and trying trying that out see how people responded to it uh and then i've just i've you know I, i've i've hacked my way through a long list of, of potential lps um I, I got i mean when i really first started out i uh, i got in contact with, with pitchbook asked them for a you know 24-hour trial just downloaded their entire list of family offices <laughs> <laughs> and started calling <laughs> and, and uh, well, everybody has their own way but but I think that for me uh, just reaching out to people and trying to get into the space was a good sort of wake-up call that uh, this 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 won't happen by itself I need to do something uh, to start and so just start as, as my advice yeah that's try it see what happens it's an important mindset to have um and again i always make a, a sort of comparisons to starting your own company you know you just have to do something take some action and go for it and it might fail but you're you're sort of testing you're you're experimenting so you'll know what works and what doesn't work and then you can always uh double down on what on what works and i think that's an important mindset to have and Again, like mindset is everything. You know, you need to persevere um, and and keep doing. And as and it also goes back to what you said, passion. You know, you need to enjoy this entire process, this journey that you're going to be on. Because uh, I know there's going to. It be is a, a long lot. journey, and there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. Um, and if you really, if you don't like this, if you're doing this for the money, you'll you 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 won't last. I mean, it it 
nobody in the right mind works uh, day and night for for two years to just close a fund, and it is not, not even a big fund. <laughs> We're doing a small fund, so so uh, there's a lot of hours going into this, and really, I I I couldn't have spent them in another way. Well, looking back at this, I think it's it's I do it because I I really truly enjoy it. Awesome. We need to uh, we need to talk a little bit about XY Ventures because I know that uh, you know you guys are you know ready. You've got capital to deploy and all that stuff. But so let's uh, let's talk about um, XY Ventures quickly. What are you? What's your thesis? Um, and uh, what's your geography? And if there are if it, if there are companies out there who are listening to this, how do they sort of uh, get in touch with you? Just to sort of. Uh, See if there's an alignment there. Sure. Uh, pick up the phone and call me. Uh, that's the best way. <laughs> I'll tell you about a thesis a little bit. Uh, so, so uh, what we do, uh, uh, what we do is we invest in deep tech companies that has a specific niche, a combination of either analytics, big data, or IoT. Uh, and we we are rather industry agnostic. Um, we, we look primarily we look for B two B companies, uh, and it, it just so happens that most of the companies that that we meet with is either you know from manufacturing, from cybersecurity, from DevOps, uh, the IT industry, telecom, those kinds of industries, right? Uh, so naturally, those are the most interesting to us. Um, and what we offer our, our portfolio companies is a combination of, of both a very strong network. Um, the people that are on our team has, has made several large exits, both in Sweden and, and, and in the States. Uh, so, so we have sort of the fundamentals in place to help founders get to the next level, uh, even if that means an A round or if it means a, a, a merger or an acquisition for a, for a private equity company, uh, we can help people with that. And, and so really what we offer is accelerating uh, deep tech companies uh, or shallow deep tech. I, I wouldn't say deep tech uh, per se, but you know, um, I, I get, always get people a little bit confused about what deep tech actually is. Uh, uh, analytics companies. Um, so so we, we work with a lot of companies right now. We, we have plenty of, of, of incoming deal flow, uh, but basically where we source deals from are uh, through our network connected to the major accelerator programs in Bay Area and also in Stockholm. Um, so if you are a founder listening to this and you're, you're thinking about going into like Y Combinator or going into to Techstars or 500s or, or even Founder Institute, uh, we can help you get onto that process as well, right? Because we, most of the companies that we work with have either graduated from one of these accelerator programs or are part of the accelerator programs. Uh, so really what we're trying to do is leverage our network and leverage the, the uh, existing infrastructure uh, in terms of accelerator programs to uh, achieve fast growth for, for all your companies. Um, are you investing only in like founders who are in Sweden or is it global? Uh, so, so what we do, we, we, we premiere founders with a Nordic heritage, uh, but that doesn't mean we only invest in, in Swedish founders. 
so we have we have conversations ongoing with with plenty of of, of American fully American teams. Uh, but what we what we are trying to do is to really sort of help people um, either from Sweden to Bay Area or vice versa, uh, because a lot of the 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 both investors and companies in Bay Area are looking towards uh, Sweden and Stockholm specifically uh, as a good example because there's a lot of unicorns coming out of here and the other way around as well. Uh, many of the the companies that we meet in Stockholm, they have grand plans of establishing themselves in, in, in Bay Area. So what we try to do is to help them with that sort of bridge or transition uh, as well. Uh, so really, if you if you are an analytics founder or you really have a you know deep tech company that uh, are on the verge of getting into an accelerated program, or really just want to take the next step, uh, then reach out and, and see. We'll see if we we find find a match. I mean, if we can't help you, then I'm sure we have plenty of other people and funds in our network that, that might be interested as well. So, awesome. No, I think that's really great. And I'll put all the details and how to connect with you uh, in the description notes below. But you know, as we sort of wrap up here, I I, do, I want to touch on one important topic, and that is Sweden, because Sweden is just like taking off uh, in terms of like, you know, it's startups and, you know, everything is happening in Sweden right now. And I, I want to know why. Like, why is Sweden sort of the next uh, Silicon Valley of Europe? I, I like to call it the, the Swedish tech mafia because it's sort of like there's, you know, there's all these uh, amazing great companies, your Spotify, I think Skype's from there as well. Um, and there's a lot of innovation, which is amazing to see. Okay, maybe you probably can answer this better than anyone, but why is it so vibrant in terms of uh, what's happening over there? Is it the government policy? Is it is there anyone that's sort of uh, leading and pioneering this in Sweden? How, why is this happening over there? Uh, no, but that, that's a great question. Uh, and I think it's like, there, there is a combination of factors in play here that, that I think really talks or, or um, has made Sweden uh, a good place to start a business. Um, but before we get into that, I think we should just consider the heritage of, 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 of Swedish companies because we have a lot of big companies uh, in Sweden and that has grown to become big companies for the past, well, let's say 60 years or so, 70 years. Uh, we have like companies like Volvo, Scania, and Ericsson, who are huge companies, even globally, that that has uh, a strong connection to to both telco and to the automotive industry. Uh, if you ever have drinking vodka, then probably uh, the absolute vodka <laughs> might be something for you as well. And IKEA, nevertheless, also a big, you know, global company coming out of Sweden, um, and my thesis around this is basically that uh, Swedes have a way of focusing on quality uh, that are similar to what Germans are, but we have more of a collaborative environment overall. Our culture is, is very inclusive in a sense that we want more people to be a part of what we're doing so that we can progress, right? That's sort of the Nordic way of doing things. Uh, and I think that works exceptionally well in the digital era because uh, it, it, it has become more increasingly important to make sure that you include people uh, in order to build more sustainable teams, building more sustainable products, and really getting to the core of understanding your customer. Uh, 
and, and so what we've seen for the past like 15 years or so, uh, Spotify, Skype, Klarna, uh, the True Caller, uh, Mojang, uh, and several gaming companies, uh, they they do that very well. They connect with the user base uh, early on, and then they build sustainable teams around uh, that user base and really you know really focus on quality and and making sure that they can provide the best service. Um, and so, so that, that's sort of the long answer to the question. And then obviously we have, like there are plenty of schools in the area that premieres uh, an innovative way of thinking. Uh, and you, you have the government support as well. Like we, we don't have such rash policies <laughs> when it comes to healthcare and, and, and uh, well, social uh, systems and welfare as you do in the States. Uh, that probably helps a little bit making people more uh, uh, inclined to take risks. Um, but if, if there's something I'd stretch, it's, it's probably that, that we have this kind of uh, inclusiveness in our culture that I think is something that is admirable and, and uh, works really well when you're trying to uh, build something. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to hear because I know that there's a lot of countries out there who want to do their own thing. And especially with COVID now, you know, there is Silicon Valley is digital, you know, it's on the web and, you know, you don't have to be in one physical location, but I do agree that government policy is very important. I don't think the government has to oversee everything that happens um, under sort of the technology umbrella, but it needs to at least promote it and it needs to, uh, evangelize, you know, innovation in the best way possible. And, you know, it's interesting to hear the sort of that quality aspect you mentioned, like that sort of German mentality. But I feel like, you know, Sweden has its own flavor, its own twist on that, uh, you mentioned. And I, I want to feel like, you know, I, I want people just to understand why Sweden is such a powerhouse, right? Because <laughs> I think a lot of people, yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's I like, a I, hard question. It is. It's it a is lot a hard of people. Question. I mean, I mean, yeah. It, there's a lot of people, and people tend to focus on quality. I think something that sort of differentiates Swedish people and, and Nordic people overall is that if you tell them to do something, uh, they will do it, and they, you know, usually they do it way, way uh, before the timeline. Usually they do uh, do it to a way higher uh, quality than, than you would expect. And that's just a part of doing a good job. That's that's a part of you know being a a good soldier, for for a lack of a better word. <laughs> and um, that's sort of embedded into the culture and has been for a very long time. And uh, a part of building these great companies a uh, hundred years ago, and also is a part of building the next generation of companies right now. Uh, and then obviously you shouldn't, you know, discount the fact that we got lucky with a couple of, of, of big unicorns in the beginning of, uh, of the 2000, <laughs> that sort of helped kickstart the, uh, the, the entire startup ecosystem here. Uh, um, I'm not sure that we would get to, to the point without them. Uh, so, so, so really, I mean, Spotify and Klarna and, and Sky, uh, all of these founders has put in a lot of money into the ecosystem back. I mean, so, so they basically funded 
the majority of, of, of growing companies uh, that you find in Stockholm right now. So, so this, the, the network overall is tightly knit. And, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's rather easy to integrate into. Uh, people are, you know, people, people are good people. They want you to, they want to help you if they can. Uh, and uh, as long as you have the same kind of mindset and, you know, can provide the same kind of, of, of quality response to, to, to other people as they provide uh, to you, then there's a, there's a good balance that just, you know, excels everyone. Yep. Nicely, uh, nicely said. I think that uh, that is a good summary. And I think we can sort of go on that topic down that rabbit hole even, even more, but uh, um, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it's been, you know, those questions are, oh, how do we create a Silicon Valley in, you know, in Europe or in Australia or New Zealand? So it's definitely everyone has their own take to it. Uh, but as the times change, I think, uh, you know, things are becoming more digital and uh, there's a lot of uh, room for growth uh, in this area for sure and innovation. Uh, quickly, as we sort of wrap up, um, how do quickly how do people get in touch with you? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? Instagram? What's, I think LinkedIn, what's the best way? LinkedIn is the the best way to to reach out to me. Uh, I'm pretty fast at LinkedIn. Uh, terrible at both Instagram and Twitter. Um, decent at answering my phone. <laughs> Emails are work sometimes. Okay. <laughs> so okay. so I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't bet my chance on on reaching out on email. Do do a LinkedIn call. Um. All right. Hopefully, yep. I usually I'll, answer within a couple hours. I'll put hours. those uh, LinkedIn details in the description notes below. Uh, but anyways, thank you, uh, thank you so much, Simon. Really appreciate you jumping on, and I think a lot of people will get value out of this, which is uh, always nice. And hopefully, you'll help a lot of other emerging fund managers or even founders themselves uh, do do the next best thing. Uh, but uh, really appreciate you for jumping on the episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciated the the invite. Of course. All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye.